I got a friend who goes to Hope to let me borrow his car, and I picked up Hope's founding pastor to get some answers. I bought you a little present. Is this your car? <laughs> no, it's not my car. I work at Hope. My time with Mike and this car were speeding along, like literally we were going really fast, and this conversation kept moving too. While discussing the five marks or five indicators of a growing follower of Jesus, we hit on this topic. It's funny how as a culture we are more connected than ever before and yet may feel more disconnected. Christ followers were never meant to do this life alone, and this brought us to the phrase connect intentionally. When you came up with connect intentionally, what did you have in mind when we, when we thought about that as a mark of discipleship? I think that if you don't intentionally decide that you are going to commit to other people in the Christian journey, you're going to be a Lone Ranger, and there just aren't any Lone Ranger Christians in the Bible. We are better together with one another than we are independently. Everybody needs a space in their life where there are some people that they trust enough that they can be honest with. There can be accountability. Uh, if they're struggling in their marriage, it's okay to tell this person, and you know it's going to be safe. If you're doing something wrong, James says, confess your sins to one another and you'll be healed. And there are times that you need somebody in your life to say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. And that's the value and the beauty uh, of connecting intentionally. The other thing is, if you read Acts chapter two, uh, there's things that we can do collectively together that we can't accomplish as individuals. Right. And when you've got a small group of eight, 10 people, there's actually needs around your neighborhood, needs in your community that you can take on. There's a Saturday, you could go work on someone's house, but that's all about working together and, and, and just living out what Christ has called us to be and do. But most of us, we're so busy, if we're not intentional about it, it won't become a reality. And so you have to just make the decision, this is gonna be a high priority in my life, or you won't do it. Okay, tell him to go five below the speed limit so I can keep up. Okay, you hear that? I am not doing that. Yes, you are. <laughs> I am not driving a $180,000 car five miles. Listen, it's like, it's like driving with my wife. <laughs> oh God, I have so many. <laughs> well, it is good to see you guys this weekend. And before I jump into the message, I do want to say something about the new series we're starting the weekend after Labor Day. It's entitled House of Cards, The Illusion of a Perfect Family, because the reality is a lot of us like to give that illusion. Perfect marriage, perfect kids, perfect vacations, no one ever snaps at each other. We know that's not true. And this series is for everybody because we're all a part of a family. So in the series, we're going to be talking about family, talking about marriage, talking about singles and singleness. We're going to be talking about parenting. We're going to cover it from cover to cover. And it's going to be an incredible series. You want to invite people. Literally, we have a world-class illusionist who is actually going to be a part of this series. We have picked some incredible music for this series. So you want to be here. And it's very, very important that you're here the first week. Because I think one of the reasons a lot of us avoid these kinds of series is because if we're honest, and I'm including myself, all of us have some guilt, all of us have some shame connected to being a part of a family. Maybe there are things that as a marriage you wish you would have done differently, or as a parent you could have done differently, or as a child you could have done differently. And when we have series like this, they kind of dredge up those memories. And so the very first week, we're going to be talking about how do we deal with our past? How do we deal with the guilt and the shame so that we can move forward into the future? C.S. Lewis said this, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And we say that at Hope this way, it is never, ever too late to start doing what's right. So start inviting your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, 
The week after Labor Day, we're gonna have a great time as we launch this series. Now this weekend, we're wrapping up our series, How, Why, and What, and we are addressing the fifth mark of a disciple. In other words, if you want to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, these things would be indicators that you're moving in that direction. And so far, we've talked about the importance of living obediently. We talked about why we need to serve selflessly, why we need to willingly share the story of how God has changed our life through his son, Jesus Christ. Last weekend, we talked about the importance of giving generously. And this weekend, we're going to wrap it up by talking about the fact that we need to connect intentionally. And I just want to begin by saying, if you've ever read the Gospels, now if you're new to church, the Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament, okay? They're Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay? Those are not the Beatles. Those are the writers of the first four books of the New Testament. If you've ever read those books, you know that when Jesus was on this earth, he was, for lack of a better term, irresistible. In fact, I believe that Jesus was the most winsome person who has ever lived. I'm telling you, people loved him, people followed him, children flocked to him. In fact, when Jesus was on this earth, you either loved him or you hated him. But I promise you this, you didn't ignore him. He was never marginalized. He was front, he was center, he was an irresistible force, and he had an irresistible message. In fact, he was so irresistible, that's ultimately why the religious leaders had to get rid of him. They're like, we can't compete with this guy. People are leaving us, and they're beginning to follow him, and so they nailed him to the cross. They killed him. Now, I I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but now that Jesus has died, rose again, ascended back to heaven, the church came into existence in Acts chapter 2, we now, the local church, those of us who uphold and cling to and adhere to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we now represent God on this earth. We are his eyes, we are his ears, we are his hands, we are his feet, and I want you to know if you're new to hope, that's the kind of church that we set out to create from the day that this place began. I mean, when we started Hope 25 years ago, our desire was simply to be something different. We didn't want to just be a replica of another church. We didn't just want to be a better version of an old version. We decided we wanted to be what God called the church to be in Acts chapter 2 when the church began. In fact, I told you the five marks actually come out of this chapter, but let me read it to you. Acts chapter 2 beginning in verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody in the community became a follower of Jesus and joined the church. It means that as the community outside that group of believers looked at them, watched them, and admired them, they were impressed. They were impressed by what was going on. And then it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I can tell you right now, Acts chapter 2, that was church at its best. And I'm not sure that it's ever been duplicated, but I will tell you this. If if we're ever going to be our best, the way the church in Acts chapter 2 was its best, we're going to have to experience that kind of unity. We're going to have to experience that kind of community. In other words, we're going to have to connect with one another in such a way that first of all, I get to know what's going on in your life, and second, you get to know what's going on in my life. That's why I personally picked that song this weekend, Come Together by the Beatles. It wasn't about that line about juju eyeballs, although I would like to know what that means. 
But there, there's, there's that one line that says, I know you, you know me. That's the power of community. That's the power of connecting in community. It's that sense of belonging together. Now, why is this so important? It's because here at Hope, we believe that real life change happens within the context of structured relationships where life on life is taking place, where accountability is taking place. It's when I get to know what's going on in someone's world, they get to know what's going on in my world. We believe that environment is where God can and will do, I promise you, can and will do incredible, great things in our lives. And if we're honest, we would all say, that's what I really want. If we're honest, we would all say, that's what I really need. But I got to tell you, it's tough to live out. And it's because I'm telling you, our natural human tendency is to separate our internal spiritual lives from our external relational lives. Let me explain what I mean by that. There's a tendency, I think, in all of us to think, I have God over here in this area of my life. And I pray to him, and he usually ignores me, right? But every once in a while, he answers my prayer. Every once in a while, he shows up over here in my life in a unique way. And then over here, well, over here I have my family. Over here I have my career. Over here I have my work. Over here I have my neighbors. Over here I have my business. Over here I have my friends. And hopefully God will every once in a while show up over here in this area of my life. But there's often this artificial barrier between the two. But I gotta tell you, the Bible teaches against that way of thinking. Because the Bible teaches, and this is the principle you have to understand. And for a lot of us old school, old timers, we gotta, get, we gotta unpack this principle. The principle is this. Even though our relationship with God is personal, it was never intended to be private. Let me say that again. Even though our relationship with God, it is personal, it was never intended to be private. But let's be honest, a lot of us like to keep it private. In fact, a lot of us even will say when someone begins to ask us questions about our spiritual walk with God, we say, you know what, that's just between me and God. That's just too personal. But the truth is this. Things like life change, things like priority change, things like spiritual formation, things like spiritual maturity, I'm telling you, as you're gonna see this weekend, those things take place within the context of relationships. And that simply means this, the best thing that you could possibly do to advance your walk with God is to take what you have kept private in your life and all of a sudden make it public with a few people. Not necessarily everyone, but begin to make it public with a few people who can listen to you and celebrate with you and love you and cry with you and pray with you, see? That's what connecting intentionally in relationships and community is all about. It's about, well, the song. Coming together with a few people in your life on a regular basis so that you can share life. Now, this isn't something that's unique to Hope Community Church. This is something that we came up with. Let me read you a couple of verses uh, from Hebrews chapter 10. And I want you to see these two verses because I'm telling you these verses uh, from the writer of Hebrews destroy the argument that it's just between me and God. Let me show you what the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly. I mean, you're just, you're right on the heels of Jesus. 
But you know how most of us live our Christian life? It's not unswervingly, it's swervingly. I mean, one day we're way off over here in the ride on the weeds, in the weeds. And then the next day we're way over here in the weeds. And then some days when I walk with Christ, I mean, we're really, really high, right? And then there are some days that we're really, really low. He says, don't be like that. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. This is what the writer of Hebrews is saying to us. He's saying, don't you wanna be consistent in your walk with God? I mean, don't you wanna see consistent victory over temptation? Don't you wanna see consistency in your marriage? Don't you wanna see consistency in your relationships? Don't you wanna see consistency in your parenting? Don't you wanna see consistency in your career in the marketplace? Don't you really deep down inside, don't you want your relationship with God, your walk with God to be unswerving? Don't you really wanna finish strong? Right. And I think most of us would say, absolutely, that's what I want. Well, he gives us the key in the very next verse, Hebrews 10, verse 24. Then, in other words, if you wanna be unswerving, if you don't wanna be way over here one day and way over here one day and way up here one day and then way down here one day, if you don't wanna be like that, he says, let us consider how we may spur. We might use the word encourage, motivate. If you're married, nag, okay? Let, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And so the writer of Hebrews says this, do you wanna be unswerving in your relationship with God? And I think the answer from all of us would be yes. He says, and here's the, here's the key, you need to connect with some people who you have given the permission to spur you on in the areas of your life that you want to be consistent in. In other words, you gotta understand the Christian walk, the Christian life isn't just you and God together working through all of your issues. In other words, instead, you're to make all the you and God stuff that you've been keeping private you're to make all that you and God stuff public with a few people. And you let them consider, because see, now they know you. You let them consider how to spur, how to prod, how to encourage you to move forward in your Christian life, life to move forward in your Christian walk. Now let me tell you why this is so important. Some of you listening to me right now, whether you're here, whether you're at one of our other campuses, some of you are brand new Christians. And one of your secret fears, and you haven't told anybody this, one of your secret fears every time you walk out of church or every time you read the Bible is that you're not gonna be able to pull off the Christian life. Am I right? I mean, when you hear me talking about living obediently and pulling your life into the alignment with the truth of God's word, where it says, do this, you do it. When it says, don't do this, you don't do that. You know what your secret fear is, Mike? I want to live obediently, but I, man, I got a couple of habits in my life. I just don't know if I'm gonna be able to get victory over them. Or when you hear me talk about serving selflessly, of course you wanna serve other people. Jesus says, you'll be great, you'll be blessed if you spend your life serving other people. You're like, I wanna do that. I just don't know how to actually reprioritize my values and my life and my schedule so that I can actually find time to serve other people. 
Or I would love to share willingly how God has changed my life. But see, there's this fear deep down inside. First of all, what if they ask me a question I can't answer? But even more importantly, what if I share what Jesus has done in my life and they laugh at me? Maybe they even reject me. Or Mike, you don't know how much I would love to get my finances in order so that I could actually give generously. But what happens if I do write that check and God doesn't show up in my life? So you have this secret fear. I would love to do this. I would love to be a disciple. I'm just not sure that I can pull it off. And it's not because you're not committed. I mean, you're committed, see? But as you look at the temptations that you face every day, as you look and think through the struggles that you face in your marriage, that you face with your dating life, with your kids, as you look at your financial habits and patterns, there's this concern, God, I want to be unswerving. God, I want to be consistent in my walk with you. I just don't know if it's in me to pull it off. So I want to go ahead and assure you that it is not in you to pull off. Congratulations. Okay. If you do it alone. So the writer of Hebrews comes along and says, listen, the Christian life is a team sport. The Christian life is a group effort, see. It really is going to take a village to bring about the consistency that you want in your Christian life. In fact, I'll just tell you, you show me a Christian any age, you show me a Christian that's an unswerving Christian. I mean, they're just steady Eddie, right? They're maturing, they're growing, they're consistent. They've broken their bad habits. They've been able to change and rearrange their priorities so that they can bring their life into alignment with who God has called them to be and what God wants them to be. You show me someone like that, and I will show you someone who has some meaningful relationships with other believers. And they have given permission to those people, a few people, hold me accountable, hold my feet to the fire, spur me on to love and good deeds. I guarantee you that's what's going on in their life. But you show me someone who's made the decision to follow Jesus and they're in. I mean, they're saved, right? I mean, they got baptized. They got a brand new Bible. Heck, they've even put a fish on their car, right? <laughs> but they struggle and struggle and struggle and they're still inconsistent. And one day they're way over here on the right and one day they're way over here on the left and one day they're way up here and then one day they're way down here, right? They can't avoid temptation. They can't break their bad habits. Even after Jesus, they have the still parent, they still have the same parenting pattern and the same marriage pattern and the same dating pattern and they're still having the same financial struggles that they had before Jesus was in their life. You show me someone like that and I will show you someone that is not connected in meaningful relationships. I'll show you someone who hasn't empowered other people to walk alongside them on their spiritual journey. I'm telling you, this principle makes all the difference in the world if you really want to be a disciple who makes other disciples. See, Now, the Christian life, again, it's personal, but it was never, ever intended to be private. And we've learned that structured groups like AA, that's a good group, NA, 
Those groups, we've learned that structured environments can result in the kind of change that can result in life change. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, Mike, that's great if you struggle with alcohol. You should go to AA. That's great if you have a drug addiction. You should go to NA. Or if you have some kind of porn addiction, you ought to go to something, right? But this is what you're thinking. I don't have an addiction. Yes, you do. Do you know what you're addicted to? You are addicted to image management. We all are. I mean, let's be honest. That's what social media is all about, right? What do you see, couples? What do you put on social media? On the beach, arms around each other, sun setting in the background. This is what our marriage is all about. You didn't put the picture from the night before where you're yelling at each other and your eyes are bugging out and spits flying everywhere and you beat red. You don't put that on social media. No. That would give the wrong impression, right? It's your kid standing on the front porch holding a sign, first day of school. I am freaking sick of those pictures. That's why I had to get off. We don't care that your kid's going to school. They have to go to school, people. It's a law, okay? Really? You You don't say, hey, here's my kid sitting in detention today. I just wanted to put that out there for you guys to see. I'm telling you, social media is all about image management. And you know what? You're addicted to that. You're addicted to making sure that you're viewed a certain way. And when there's a gap, when there's a gap between what you want people to think about you, but the reality of who you really are, I'm telling you, you're addicted to covering your gap. I promise you that. We all are, and that that may never change. But here's the question. I know who you're doing image management with. Practically everyone. But who are you doing life with? See, all I have to do is look at your social media and I know what you want to be known for. But the bigger question is who really knows you? And this is the reason. It's because it is extremely unhealthy to carry secrets. Because when you carry secrets, let's be honest, we know this. It eats us from the inside out. Plus that secret, that thing that you're working so hard to keep a secret, guess what? It's gonna surface eventually. It's called the law of diminishing returns. Every time you get away with it, the odds of you getting away with it again decrease. It's gonna surface. And when it surfaces, it's going to become public to a group of people, maybe a lot of people. They don't know you. They don't love you. They don't care for you, so why don't you take the risk and give some other Christians a chance to be the body of Christ to you? Why wouldn't you do that? So as we wrap up this series, this is what we're asking. We're asking you to commit intentionally by getting into a small group. Now maybe you're new to church, like Mike, what the heck's a small group? Well, it could be a lot of things. It could be a group of six to 10 singles. It could be six to 10 men, could be six to 10 women. I actually think same sex groups are the best simply because you're more likely to be transparent and open than you are if your spouse is sitting beside you. Trust me on this one. Or it could be four to six couples. But you decide, we commit, we're gonna meet together on a regular basis and the reason we're gonna meet together is to spur one another on. And this is one of the reasons. Let's be honest, a lot of people are blown away by the size of a church like Hope. So they walk in a place like this and think, man, will I ever meet anybody? Will I ever have 
any opportunity to have a meaningful relationship, and that's why we've said from day one, to become larger, we have to become smaller. So we have to be very, very intentional to make sure that we have room for everyone to meet people, to have those relationships. But see, I know you guys. I've been with you for 25 years, right? You're like my children. And I know what some of you are thinking right now when I say I need you to get into a small group. First, some of you are thinking, I I don't need to be in a small group to learn more about the Bible. So here's my response. You don't join a small group just to learn more about the Bible. There you go. You don't join a small group to become a great theologian. It's not by learning, it's not about learning more. It's not even about, I need to go deeper. It's not about that. It's about clarification and application. I mean, think about it. How many times have you sat through one of my messages like, I don't have a clue what he's talking about. And I certainly don't have a clue how to pull it off. But you get together with a group of people during the week and it's like, did anybody get that? How, how do you live that out? I mean, can you imagine going to a small group and saying, listen, I know some of you guys do this. You do this two service thing. You go to church twice on the weekend. You serve one service and you go worship. How do you do that? Where, where do your kids go? How do you find time for that? I mean, that takes away from your pool time. I mean, well, how, how do you do that, right? And you can kind of work through that. Or you go like, man, I feel like I should be tithing. I just don't know how to do it. How do you guys do it? I know some of you do it. How did you get there? By the way, I'll give you the key to tithing. Somebody asked me this, so I'll give it to you. You write the check first. And then you adjust your lifestyle accordingly. You already do that in your life. I guarantee you, you don't budget off the gross, do you? You budget off the net. You budget on what actually goes in the bank. That's what you have to live off of. It's no different in the Christian walk. God says, give me the first 10%. The other 90%, which is also mine, but I'm gonna let you keep it. You just adjust your lifestyle accordingly. You'll never, ever miss it. But my point is this. It's about being a doer of the word, not just showing up and hearing the word. The key is now, what do I do with this? How does, how does this apply to my life? So you don't go to a small group just to learn about the Bible. If you learn something, cool, but that's not just why you Here's another one. I don't like meeting new people. Well, here's my response. Don't join a small group just to meet new people. By the way, let me just say this. I act like it on the weekend. I mean, I like to hang around and say hi. Honestly, I don't really like people all that much. (laughs) I'm just being honest with you. I mean, I've taken those personality tests. I think I was at ESPN, something like that. I ended up in one of those boxes. But literally... If you were to look at my personality test, it, first of all, I'd be scared the heck out of you, but I am, I am one half extrovert and exactly one half introvert, which means like on the weekend when I gotta be an extrovert, I can be an extrovert. But you know what? Come 12.30 on Sunday, don't talk to me. I'm going home, I wanna pull the drape, shut the door, I don't wanna see any of you people. You know what I'm saying? I wanna be, I, listen, when Laura and I get invited to a party, you know what I do? I go to a party, I find one friend, I sit in the corner and talk, and then I pray, I pray, I beg, and I wait for Laura to get tired so we can just go home. I hate, I hate those environments. See. So for me, I'm gonna be honest with you. The idea of being in a group of people, I don't know. That's awkward. That's tough. I mean, when neighbors invite us over, I just get under my desk, get home in the fetal position. I'm like, God, just take me. Just take me. I don't wanna do this, you know? So I don't wanna go to somebody's house. I don't know everything. It pushes back that... And that may be true of you also. So don't go to a small group just to meet new people. Nothing wrong with that, but that's not the best reason. This is what some of you are thinking. Man, I'm just too busy to be in a small group. 
Well, here's my response. You don't join a small group just because you don't have anything else to do. I mean, we're busy people. But you know what I've learned about busy people? Busy people get things done. We're busy people. My guess is your life probably isn't that different from my life. And my life is slam-packed. I literally, I know people say this, I literally do not have a day off. I don't take a day off. I work every day. And uh, Friday's my day off. Laura will tell you, at least half, if not more of the day, I'm in my office working on this message because I don't want to look like a fool when I get up in front of you in just a few hours, right? So I'm Because you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. For many of you, I'm a week ahead of you spiritually. And I'm running like crazy just to stay ahead of you. So I'm telling you, I am busy. I, I, so I have no hobbies. I don't play golf. I don't shoot guns. I don't knit. I don't jump rope. I don't... I, just don't have time for that stuff. And because of that, I got to be honest with you. When I'm in a small group and small group rolls around, rarely do I look forward to it. In fact, on those occasions when, when your phone starts blowing up, oh, I can't make it tonight, I had to work late, can't work. I'm on the road, kids are sick, I'm sick. And then finally somebody says, should we just cancel tonight because so many people can't make it? I might respond, oh, that's too bad. But inside, I am having a happy dance. I'm thinking, free night, yeah. Hey, aren't I a great example? Follow me, follow me, people. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know what some of you are thinking. Mike, you can talk to your blue in the face. I am not getting in a small group. Well, let me just say this. You need to find a way around here to connect intentionally. And maybe that's just the first step. I get together with a group of guys every week just to smoke a cigar. Now, we don't call it that. We offer up a burnt offering. It sounds very spiritual. I mean, if you've ever read the book of Leviticus. But I'm telling you, we have an incredible time because you know what? We do it long enough. People, guys, begin to open up. And they begin to talk about their family or their marriage or their job or their struggles. And it becomes life on life. Maybe that's more your style. And don't ask me. You're not joining mine. I don't want you in my group. Make your own group, okay? I have a group. Go find your own group, right? You can do that. Maybe you know, got some friends. You like to fly fish, ride motorcycles. Go do it together. Craft night. I don't care. Jump rope. Just, just do something where you get together with people where you're doing life. Because I'm going to tell you, at some point, it starts to unravel. You need somebody to talk to. Hey, maybe it's just getting on a serving team. You know, I got to tell you, one of the cool things about these guys and ladies that work in the parking lot, they're tight. They know each other. These, these people that work in First Impressions, with these people that work in Kid City. But see, the benefit of being on a serving team, miss a couple of weeks, fall through a crack. Somebody's going to be calling you. What's going on? What's happening in your life? See, you can't just disappear. We need that. Now, why do I encourage you so, so much to connect intentionally with other people? Well, first of all, it's not because of any person or couple that you're going to connect with that's going to make a radical difference in your life. You connect intentionally because of the cumulative value and the impact of what happens in the context of those relationships. I mean, I get together with a group of guys we always end up talking about storms, trials we're going through. In fact, I was listening to one guy, and I mean, he was just painting this picture of this oh, just horrible situation environment. But man, by the time he was finished, 
you could just see how strong his faith was and how much he was depending on the faithfulness of God. And when I'm sitting around somebody like that, you know what it does? It just strengthens my faith. I'm like, man, if he can get through that, I can get what I'm going through. I can get through that. I mean, where else do you get that in our world? Where else do you actually get to sit across from someone, get to know them and track with them as they journey with God? So it does incredible things to our faith as we're working through our own issues. But second, and maybe the best reason, is you connect intentionally because it gives you more potential to impact people than probably anything else you can do. In fact, let me ask you a question. The first one by a show of hands. How many of you plan on being alive in 10 years? Just raise your hand. Okay, the rest of you I do not want to hang out with. Okay, 10 years. Second, don't have to raise your hand. How many people do you plan to influence for Jesus over the next 10 years? Here's the third one. What's your plan for impacting people for Jesus over the next 10 years? Remember, we started this series, Matthew 28, 19. Jesus said to his disciples to do what? Go make disciples. So if we're gonna be disciples that make disciples, what's your plan to do that over the next 10 years? I know some of you are thinking, I'm just gonna live a good life and be a good example, right? That's what some of you are thinking. Well, if somebody, if somebody really corners me and begs me, I guess I'll tell them about how to become a Christian. That's what I'm gonna do, right? Some of oh, I got a fish on my car. Whoopee, that ought to change the world, right? I mean... So until you come up with a plan, or at least a better plan, would you at least consider this plan? I mean, if you will intentionally connect with other believers, and the venue we have provided for you here at Hope is a small group, and you allow God to do what he wants to do in your life and through your life for one year, and then say, after that year, you say, guys, it's been real. Go start your own groups. And you started a new group. And let's say you did that every year for 10 years. I'm telling you, at the end of 10 years, you will have impacted hundreds of people through your life. And if some of the people that you impacted went out and started their own group and they started impacting people, I'm telling you, over the next 10 years, you could directly and indirectly impact thousands of people's lives. And guess what? If we were to do that, we can make history together. Let's grow and multiply. I mean, think about it. How else do you think that one lone carpenter in just three years launched a movement that has now impacted the whole world? It wasn't by adding, it was by multiplying. And that's why, see, our greatest potential as a church isn't what happens on the weekends. Our greatest potential to impact our culture has everything to do with us intentionally connecting in community. Me getting to know you, you getting to know me. And here's the cool part. To do that, you don't need a degree. You don't need to take a class. You don't need any new skills or talent. You don't have to go to seminary. You just show up and participate and you watch God work. You know how you could start? You want a baby step? How about if you came to church and sat down and you got off your phone? And looked around and said, hey, my name's Mike. What's your name? First time? Oh, you've been here for a while. Where you work? Where you live? I mean, you don't know. You don't even know how God would use that. You have a couple in our church. They sat beside each other, never met each other, sat beside each other on the shuttle going from one of the off-site parking lots to the church. Now they're married and have three kids. You have no idea what's going to happen by just striking up a conversation, right? 
So we're just asking you to connect intentionally with other people here at Hope. Now, let me just say this. Hey, listen, if you've got a better plan to impact thousands of people through your life over the next 10 years, go for it. In fact, I'd like to hear it myself. But if you don't have a better plan, I would encourage you to adopt this plan. After all, hey, listen, you're gonna do something for the next 10 years. You might as well spend some time actually changing the world. And I know you're busy, I get it. And I know you don't have time, but I'm telling you the cumulative value of connecting intentionally is going to allow God to do great things in your life and you will become a disciple who makes a disciple. And you know what I think? I think that's what everybody wants. You just have those fears. So I'm so excited. We are now offering this thing that says five marks. You can get it online or you can actually pick up a hard copy at all of our campuses. What it does is it, first of all, it explains the five marks we've talked about in this series. On top of that, you're able to sit down in the privacy of your home and take a spiritual health assessment. It will help you find out where you actually are spiritually. And then you can go to each one of these categories. Say, that, say you're behind on giving generously. You want to get there. We, we made it very, very easy. You may be new in your, in your Christian walk. And so the first category is walk. How can you just begin to walk? But maybe you're already walking. Maybe you're doing a little bit. So how can you begin to jog? What would that look like in your life? Well, maybe you've been jogging for a long time and it's time to run. So you look at the next category. What does it mean to actually run? In other words, you're in the process of being transformed through the power of God into a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, you want to pick this up. You want to get one of these things. You want to go online because I'm, it could be the one thing that could really begin the process of changing your life and the person that not only God wants you to be, but deep down inside, it's the person you want to be. It's the key to the abundant life. Because Jesus said, I came that you might have life, that you might have it to the full, that you might have it abundantly. And you can find it if you want it. And it'll cost you something. Discipleship always comes with a cost. But you will never regret it. You'll never regret it. Father, thank you for the time we've had together this weekend. And we are surrounded every weekend by a lot of lonely people. And the more technology we get, the lonelier we become. In fact, many of us can't even remember the last time we really sat down with someone and opened up our lives and had a heart-to-heart conversation. Father, I pray that people would see the incredible value of making an intentional attempt to connect with other people so others can know what's going on in their life. They can know what's going on in others' lives. So there can be accountability. There can be an encouragement so we can spur one another on to love and good deeds. And Father, we give you the credit now for what you're gonna do. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. We are so excited to be a small part of all the great things that God is doing in and through your life. If you would like to take the next step in your spiritual journey, download the Hope app to find out ways to connect, opportunities to serve, and other resources. And if you'd like to contribute financially to our vision of reaching the triangle and changing the world, visit us at gethope.net slash giving. Thank you for your commitment to resourcing hope as we love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus.